0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. I talk to the trees, Stop and hear what I say. Come on around back, Arizona, for another beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. Second Saturday of the month. 8 o'clock, our outdoor living hour. Means we're talking trees. ISA certified arborist John Eisenhower's in studio with us from Save a Tree. And there's already callers lining up. seven 767 4348 That's 188 Rosie for you. Text questions can be sent to four one one nine two three, 923 or you can email info at rosieonthehouse.com. if you need to send a picture for little plant or insect identification. You can send it there. And John, we always have a tree of the month and we've got our uh, tree to do, but you know I've there's already people complaining about the heat and reading the Farmer's Almanac today. We're still 71 days away from summer.
1: <laughs> technically, technically 71 days away from what the summer solstice, right, June 21st. Yeah, I, we uh, uh, let's talk about spring. Can we do that? Can let's we, do it. Can we just can we just enjoy this while we have it? Yeah, we just know what's coming around the corner, but it's a it's a really cool time of year. Where you have got your heater on in your truck in the morning, and then you've got your <laughs> AC on in the afternoon, but I like that. It's a it's a a, a wonderful time of year. These have been some great great um, uh, great mornings and afternoons are starting to heat up a little bit, getting to those low nineties.
0: And watching the plant life this time of year is a lot of fun. You, the ash trees around our house always seem to be the first ones to bloom out, and the number of bees that they attract. Uh, I mean, just magically come out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, the the pistache trees are are mulberry. I was just, uh, I had my little grandson in my arms last night and was, pulled a mulberry leaf off, and sure enough, there's those little, the beginnings of those little mulberries are starting to form, and not quite full uh, full yet, but yeah, that's sort of our um, uh, uh, sign that spring is around when that mulberry tree starts to leaf out, and And our pistache starts – our pistache still is is completely bare. Um, Some of you probably have some pistache that are starting to leaf out. But just depending on the the part of town you're in and – Ours completely
0: exploded about a week ago. There was nothing, nothing, nothing. And then it was like overnight, just everything on the pistache trees exploded. And it's got that nice, vibrant red – uh, they call it the red push pistache because it that first pushes first pushes red. So you've got a a red and green tree.
1: <laughs>
0: from last year's growth is green. Uh, you were mentioning mulberry. I had all all perfectly trimmed up and ready for the the summer. And you know the the leaf weight is so yeah. heavy. The li- you know it its limbs drag, are, dragging those are limbs down into the walking area. I've got to go back out and Just and retrim. Trim. Yeah. Yeah. And even the evergreens, like we have uh, some live oaks, just how much greener they have turned just in the last week, and the amount of birds that are suddenly and back in our on our property. When you walk outside in the middle of the day, and it sounds like in you know you're at the aviary at the zoo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Our fig leaves. <laughs> I mean, it, it 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 could close Adam and Eve for a hundred years right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we're looking out the windows here at some beautiful Palo Verdes. A lot of you are seeing those, uh, the first uh, hint of those, uh, uh, that floral display of all the Palo Verdes across town, um, and our tree of the month this this month, um, if you want to call it a tree, is the Ocotillo. and uh, you know Romy was saying, uh, or Rosie was saying earlier that out in New River, that was sort of their first sign of a, of spring was that that beautiful red bloom that the Ocotillo's put on. And this is their time of year to show off their, their beautiful um, uh, color. And yeah, the uh, uh, Ocotillo's bloom from about February through, you know, about April is they can actually go further into the year, but that's sort of their prime time.
0: For all intents and purposes, it's Arizona. I think we can classify o- ocotillos technically a tree.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. What is a tree <laughs> by definition? You know, what what makes a a, a tree not a shrub? And there's some very rough definitions, but the one that we kind of go by is that a tree is a freestanding plant that grows to a height of 15 feet without any assistance. So if it can grow to 15 feet in height without being propped up or supported on a trellis, uh, it's technically a tree. Um, and so sorrows are, are trees. Uh, palms are, although they're technically a grass, uh, they qualify as a tree in, in a rough sense. <laughs> but then you have these, uh, you know, these, uh, 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 the genus and species it can vary. Interestingly, uh, Ocotillo is our tree of the month because it's just such a, you know, classic, iconic plant of the southwest. And it's they're just amazing, dramatic landscape trees but it's really not a cactus. many people refer to Okatiua as, as one of our many cacti but it's really uh, a different species a different genus of plants. It's a foci area say it's, a, it's a, related to the Bujum tree it's kind of a semi succulent. If you look at it very closely they're, they're, they're a softer tissue uh, if you, you know, they do although they do have um, thorns on them, they're a little more pliable than your typical, uh, cactus thorn, and uh, they are uh, um, a little a little less uh, uh, damaging if you bump into one or, or rake your uh, leg against one if you're out in the out hunting as I, we are quite often and run into them. You don't want to run into a hedgehog, you know, or a, a swore or something like that. Then you're going to get get a, a nice poke. But ocotillos are pretty harmless. They are you can actually kind of grab them with a with your hand just gently and there's you'll you'll see that those thorns are a little bit more pliable they're not going to poke through your uh, skin as easily
0: and they're really hard to grow and transplant
1: well they tend to be you know they it's interesting they plant they transplant them with very few roots attached so you just have to make sure you don't overwater them and and drown them uh, but you need a some regular watering and you might need to support them for a little while until they can get established uh, you know, prop them up until they can you know, establish some new roots uh, and anchor them in the soil. But yeah, they're, they're sometimes a, a little, uh, the mortality rate is pretty high with transplanted uh, Ocotillos. I was reading a little bit uh, about them, and I, I came across a patch of saying that they're easy to to transplant. Well, that hasn't been my experience. Maybe some of you, our listeners, have had a, a better experience than I have, but We've had about a 50% um, mortality rate in trying to transplant them. It's interesting, too, because they only bloom when there's available water. And so quite often you'll see an Okotio in the landscape, and you're not sure if it's dead or alive. Because it's um, when the water resources are low, it'll just simply drop its leaves and it'll photosynthesize through the bark of the plant. The, photos, the, the chlorophyll in the bark is enough to sustain the plant through dry periods. And then when there's enough water, it'll put on some more leaves, usually a couple of, of sets of leaves a year. And then when it uh, you know, uh, gets a little drier, it'll drop those leaves kind of as a protective mechanism. Because when a plant has leaves on it, one of the byproducts of photosynthesis is, is a water vapor. Is escaping from those leaves so you know, as a means of conserving water often plants will drop their leaves to kind of hold on and and uh, weather through until they get another rainfall so um ocotillos are interesting that you sometimes don't know if they're dead or alive because they you have to kind of go up to them and look at them carefully and see if the branches are pliable uh, they'll if they are dying back they'll start dying back from the tips and if the tips are dead you might want to just cut those tips back to live wood and then hope the tree will recover from there.
0: The Ocatea, our tree of the month with uh, John Eisenhower. We've also got our uh, our monthly to-do as it relates to uh, our tree care and our, our ongoing uh, plant husbandry.
1: Yeah, we have talked uh, the last couple of months about the time to do radical um, cutbacks of your shrubs And while February and March are probably the best time to do that, April's not too late, but it is getting to the point where if you're going to do some heavier pruning of your shrubs or even some of your trees, you want to be sure you do that soon in the next couple of weeks because once the, the hot weather comes, it's hard for those shrubs to recover. We usually try to give them a little bit of time to respond to that heavy pruning before the real hot weather comes because that new juvenile growth, that emerges after a a severe pruning um, can be very, you know, subject to sunburn. So you want to try to give a chance, a a plant a chance to recover. If you don't, if you you start making heavy cutbacks in May or June, um, it's quite often you'll lose those shrubs altogether because the intense heat is just too much for that new growth to emerge and be sustained. And of course, the same applies to your deciduous trees. You, You know, as the temperatures increase, the amount of pruning should decrease on your deciduous trees and those those trees that we normally prune during the winter. Conversely, with your evergreen trees and your more vigorous trees like your eucalyptus, mesquites, sumacs, your olives, we can do we can go ahead and be pruning those pretty uh, regularly from now, right into the summer months, because those trees can replace that foliage pretty quickly and um, don't worry so much about your evergreens. It's your deciduous trees, your frost-sensitive trees, your your ornamental trees like your citrus. Those you want to start reducing the amount of foliage or pruning that you do. Um, we talk about pruning dosage. That is the amount of, of, of foliage that you're removing, say 10% or 20% or 30%. Well, we start reducing the dosage of pruning. You can still prune, just don't prune so much at a time. And um, as we were saying, as the temperatures increase, uh, reduce that pruning dosage uh, on your deciduous and, and more sensitive plants like your citrus. Is there a plant that we recommend pruning in summer? Yes. We recommend Mesquite. pruning your mesquites in the summer. And why is that? Because they're extremely vigorous. They can respond to that 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 uh, pruning. But we also, incur- if you're only pruning your trees maybe once a year— which we quite often are um, in our commercial services we provide, we want to allow those very vigorous trees to put on their spring growth, and, and then we'll prune them at the end of that big uh, spring push so that they'll hold their pruning for more of the calendar year. So we usually encourage uh, pruning our mesquites in late May, early June, before the monsoon, and that's uh, give you a, 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 it's a good timing for those. Your trees got you stumped? Call in your question. 1-888-767-4348. That's 188 Rosie for you.
0: I got a little trivia for you. You're gonna regret giving me these cards one day. <laughs> True or false, <laughs> the initial Liberty Tree and Boston that became a rallying point. For the growing resistance to the rule of Britain over the colonies was an elm tree. True or false? Don't answer that. Text the question to 411-923. and uh, well, by the end of the program, I've got one coming back in from each break, and we'll do something fun with them. So, <laughs> was was the original Liberty Tree an elm? True or false? And John, since uh, our last talking trees, you hadn't been over to London, have you? By any no. chance, over to England? There's a chainsaw massacre happening there right now. Some rogue lumberjack has cut down over 30 trees in a community during the night. And in the last 10 days, they're putting oh, together no. patrols to catch uh, this. Well, I mean, what what kind of uh, in your litigation between neighbors and tree lines and properties? What is what kind of penalty is there for chopping down someone else's tree?
1: Well, it's interesting. Interesting, you should ask because. D- Depending on the jurisdiction, the municipality or the state, there are um, they award up to treble what they call treble damages for trespassing and damaging trees. So they can, you know, do an appraisal on a on a tree that's been destroyed and and actually uh, award treble damages, three times the value of a tree. And if a tree's uh, is estimated to increase the the real estate market value of a tree by or of a home or a property by say ten thousand dollars, that could be a thirty thousand dollar fine, but yeah, it just depends on the on the uh, uh, you know who's uh, overseeing that. Different states have different tree laws, but no, that this happens so frequently um, that uh, a lot of people don't like their neighbors' trees, and will there's been instances of people poisoning. Their neighbors' trees all of a sudden they die and there's no option but to take them down. So, uh, and then it's really hard to to get a do a forensic uh, investigation and determine whether if if chemicals were used and unless you catch somebody in the act, it's really hard to to pin any of that on people. So, it happens. Yeah, it's a it's a shame that people want to see a view of the ocean or see a view of the mountains or. See a view that they had had at one time before their neighbor's trees grew up and obscured that view, and then they're very tempted to go over at night. and um, We've even seen people girdle trees, you know, by cutting around them. I don't want to give people ideas. Now, <laughs> all of our listeners do not go out and practice and do any of these things because it is a, a very serious matter. And uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, arborists sometimes get called in as expert witnesses to determine um, some of these things. And really hard to do laboratory analysis even to f- find out the presence of Roundup or other chemicals that might be used to kill trees. And have you ever been called in to uh, be a witness or an expert in this case? Not in one of these cases, but I, I work with a lot of consultants who have, and, and the, these um, this topic comes up in discussion pretty frequently. And it's, uh, it's pretty common, especially in some of these uh, areas where there are uh, communities that have views of of the ocean, for instance, and and they people on hillsides that have trees that are growing up into into their view. Um, it often happens in those instances or cases where, and then sometimes it's just people mistake. They don't the property lines aren't really clear, and people go down and take a chainsaw and cut down a bunch of trees, thinking that they were their own, but they're at a on near a property line, and they actually belong to the neighbors. And they survey them and find out that they just cut down 30 trees that didn't belong to them. This sounds like a, a real vandal, though. This person in England, whoever it is, cutting these trees down. There may be some other motive, but unless, you know, it'd be interesting to, to know if there's if they're just um, random trees or if there's some pattern to this.
0: No telling. But I, I saw that and I thought, I'm what John thinks about that, and what that what a penalty if they catch well, this we, guy would be.
1: Well, we lived in London, England for four years back in the in the eighties, from nineteen eighty five to eighty eight, and we were there during a hurricane that that came up the, the English Channel and wiped out. Uh, uh, I think it was three hundred thousand trees were lost in a single night of intense wind, and it was a shame because they lost a lot of heritage trees. Uh, seven Oaks, which is in Kent County in in, in southern uh, England, uh, the name of the town was called Seven Oaks because there were seven oaks that were in the f- four or five hundred year age range, and they lost several of those seven oaks. It was just a tragic event. Kew Gardens in London lost some heritage trees that had been there hundreds of years, and the curators at the at the at the uh, uh, arboretum there were actually uh, in in tears. It was just quite a a huge event uh, with the loss of trees. And it's a shame when those things happen because you can't replace these trees easily. And it's a very, very emotional time when when people lose trees.
0: Now, during the break, we were talking about another tree we should have mentioned that indicates the uh, early spring bloom. It was uh, an evergreen pear.
1: Yeah, evergreen pears that, you know, really uh, herald the advent of spring um, with that beautiful white bloom. They're one of the very first trees. Interestingly enough, they're a deciduous tree that's completely bare all winter. And before it even puts on leaves, it puts on this beautiful floral display of white flowers and then as soon as those flowers drop it puts on its leaves again and
0: so it's an evergreen pear but it's a deciduous tree
1: yes it is <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: kind of an oxymoron I, I wasn't sure if i heard that right and did they are they pretty good uh, desert plants i've seen a few of them around they're really
1: well adapted to here yeah they don't actually produce an edible pear but it's a yeah they're a beautiful tree for arizona
0: i'm covered in pollen I can't breathe. Snot all over you. Snot all over me.
1: Hell, you ruined my patio. Every time I go outside to wipe it down. I got a
0: whole helping of people coming over, but two seconds later, there ain't a clean goddamn seat to be found. <laughs> oh, oh someone you weren't planning on screening the song that long. Yeah,
1: Oops. yeah, I missed that. But anyway, uh, I, who doesn't feel that right now?
0: You know, it's well, funny. Spring Thank sinuses. You can always tell who has been in Arizona more than one summer when it comes to the summertime, based on what trees they park underneath. You know, a lot of people will park underneath a mesquite tree. They won't make that mistake twice. <laughs> you know, all that sap that drips on it. Yeah, or you look around the ground for uh, dark coloration or underneath the tree to know, is this a safe spot to park or is it dripping here? And uh, you get into a, a parking lot and, you know, there's five spaces way up front that are close that no one's parked in because they're all shit, huddled around these two little trees out there. <laughs> to find the
1: shade yeah it's, it's it's allergy season now to be sure there's everything's blooming but uh yeah i don't know if i got inoculated from allergies i'm grateful i don't have much of a problem with that i remember as a kid i, was, I used to take those little those little spears that would come up from the bermuda bermuda grass on the playground those those little helicopter things i used to take those and, and 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 chew the little ends off of those you know um maybe i got inoculated cuz i i've never had any kind of hay fever ever since but yeah those are uh, got a lot of a lot of people these days are are uh, get taking the allergy meds and and uh you know, running for cover not it's a shame because this is a beautiful time to be outdoors and those with allergies you know have a hard time with all the pollen that's falling everywhere Here's your next trivia
0: question. Could do you guys provide
1: these cards for to customers
0: or is this uh, just <laughs> only some, special customers. only special customers? <laughs> Pine cones have genders. True or false? The female makes a seed. The male cone sheds pollen. Text that to four one one nine two three and we're gonna do something at the end of the broadcast. I've kind of. Kinda, it, we're, it's it's a work in progress, and we have a follow-up from last week, uh, or from last Talking Trees last month. But on the text as well, somebody wanted to know, is it normal for one mesquite tree to fill out, and another one uh, seems to have no growth at this point?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, and it, and it is normal. I mean, not normal in terms of uh, potential health issues, but... Trees are unique as as humans are, and and there's so many differences between the planting site uh, on some of the uh, some of our properties. You'll have uh, we have 15 elm trees on the driveway uh, coming into our office building, and a couple of them still are haven't fully leafed out, and some of them have been, have been leafed out for a month. So, just depending on where the where the trees planted, uh, the the soil conditions, uh, the amount of water. Uh, Sometimes the actual location, you know, um, in terms of sunlight, all can affect, you know, how quickly they come out of dormancy. Then there can also be some species variations, too. You have trees that are just slightly different, The planting stock. You know, they might have come from a different nursery. They might have had just a little bit different genetic makeup. And that can also affect how quickly they come out of dormancy. Um, Sometimes it can uh, be an indication of, of a health issue. Plants that are under stress will come out of dormancy later, and they will drop their leaves in the fall sooner because they're trying to get out. They're trying to stop producing, you know, sooner and, and delay uh, the—because as soon as they leaf out, they have to be—it's um, it's an it's a energy draw uh, on, the, on the plant's resources. And just like plants their sporadic bloomers only bloom when there's adequate water— you know trees sometimes don't put on leaves until they absolutely have to to survive. So there's a that could be an issue too with availability of water and and general health conditions. We have seen some trees that have girdling roots that um, are struggling uh, with uh, um, uh, below ground issues that don't put on leaves very quickly. And we've uh, later discovered that once we took care of those uh, root um, root girdling uh, problems, then the tree tree went back to more of a normal cycle of, of leaf drop and and refoliation in the spring.
0: You see that a lot with palaverdes and the variation between the species there, there's the thornless ones that uh, they've been hybrid and those bloom different than when the natives do. And even coming down to 51, there's a, a big, massive Palo Verde that's got to be 40 feet tall and just as wide a canopy, and the whole thing is is yellow. And then the next six Palo Verdes you see past that don't uh-huh. even have a speck of uh, <laughs> of yellow on them yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of differences. You know, up in Sedona, there's a, um, a, a road where there's a lot of uh, off-road vehicle traffic, and it's increased over the months, and it's causing some real difficulties with the neighbors because of dust. The dust is settling on a lot of those plants, and then they're defoliating and dying, and uh you know up to you know 50 60 feet from the road uh and and these homeowners along those areas are are complaining now because these properties that they purchased now are there there's plant death you know uh, quite a distance from the road and so yeah these are all factors that can affect your ability of your trees to survive Uh, so yeah little differences don't worry about it if you know too much you know if you feel like there's a might be a health concern with that one tree that's not leafing out as quickly it is definitely an issue, you know, indication that there's uh, some stress preventing it from um, doing its normal, uh, uh, doing its normal thing and producing that foliage. So maybe a, a call to an arborist would be in order just to check that out.
0: And on your talking trees to do, you have, uh, you know, with a lot of the spring growth does come uh, insects and caterpillars and whiteflies and spider mites, and you've got a note here to look closely for those. What kinds of uh, damage by insects uh, will we start to notice?
1: Well, you've got different types of insects. You have some boring insects, gnawing uh, insects, uh, chewing insects, um, uh, ones that, you know, uh, uh, dive into the interior and are, are like boars that are feeding on the heartwood on the interior of our trees. And then you've got a lot of leaf um, uh, 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 insects that attack the leaves. If you do see some of your uh, shrubs and trees that looking a little thinner than normal, uh, do take a closer look because it could be insect damage. Caterpillars are on your Tacomas and your uh, Texas Mountain laurels and on your Bougainvillea. And there's also um, some whiteflies are quite active right now. We noticed on a lot of our customer landscapes the last couple of weeks, whitefly populations have gotten uh, pretty pretty heavy, especially on ficus trees. So, uh, be, if you start seeing this defoliation and you can catch it early, if the infestation isn't too heavy, it might be that you can just let it go and it'll pass and the tree will be, refoliate after the insects have moved on. If the infestation is real, real heavy, it might be better to to kind of come in and knock it down with a a, um, a technical product to kind of bring it under control. And then, of um, yeah, there's a... Oh, what's the other? Oh, we've got a... Um didn't have the white flies. What was the other we had? We had the caterpillars, the white flies. Spider mites. The spider mites. Yeah, this is a... Um, spider mites are really active in the warmer season. You may not see them quite as active now, although we're already seeing a li- some I- evidence. Uh, they love dusty conditions, so make sure you, with your arborvitae, your, your, your cypress, your junipers, uh, trees that are pretty susceptible to spider mites, be sure you, you get a, a hose out there and just wash them down. Just water, you know, water them down with a. a, a sometimes that's enough, to, even to control the spider mites. You, you know, uh, control the dust. You, you control them. They don't like. They, they like the dust of your environment. Um, if you see that webbing among uh, in the leaves, there, you definitely have a spider mite issue. Again, something that's pretty easy to control, but you, you know, chemically. But you do need to get out ahead of it, and uh, give an arborist a call and, and get that evaluated and. And, and treat it as soon as you can.
0: And scheduling for uh, early, early summer, late spring fertilizer.
1: Yeah, we talk about our our three uh, three fertilization seasons that each year. We have we are just coming to the end now in April of our early season, which is February, March, and April. And our, our we're getting ready for our our second application of fertilizer uh, sometime in May, June, July. And if you've uh, – it's not too late to get that first application down, but you need to do that pretty soon. And, and then, uh, again, our, our final third application is August, September, October. Normally, are not fertilizing in those uh, last two – three months of the year in November, December, January. Because the soil temperatures are so low, there's not a lot of uptake of fertilizer unless, it, of course, you do a foliar spray, which can be taken up through the leaves. But generally, we are fertilizing those nine months of the year, in in those three app, three month application windows, uh, and we're coming to the end of that first one now.
0: And what type of tree fertilizer? You were mentioning a uh, foliar spray. There's a liquid uh, soil application. You've also got your granular application. Do y'all have a preference or do you use all three of those depending on time, season, species?
1: Well, we like to mimic rainfall and, and actually do a soil drench because it, it allows the, the, the water to the, the solution that we're putting down, the liquid fertilizers, to just flood the area around the base of the tree and be absorbed in just as rainfall would be. And the trees and, and our shrubs have their, uh, those small feeder roots that are right at the soil surface and it's really the most effective way, I think, and to and also to 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 uh, uh, get that to the um, the entire root zone of the tree. Of course, you need to be wor- you know watering out near the drip line on your mature established trees, and you know putting the solution where the where the greatest uptake will be, but throughout the entire root zone. There are times where deep root injection would be justified. If you have a tree in a turf setting, for instance, it's nice to get the fertilizer down below the root zone of the grass, so that the trees can can get some of that that uh, product. Because if you put if you flood irrigate right over grass, the the, the, the lawn will usually get about eighty to ninety percent of the fertilizer, and the trees will get the leftovers. So there's a time where we do you do deep root uh, injection. Uh, And then, of course, foliar sprays can be done as well. You can spray right onto the plant surface. There are times where there's limited space, uh, uh, planting space, around a tree to be able to to put very much product uh, into the ground. So we can do a foliar application. Maybe a combination of one or two or three of the different uh, application methods would uh, apply, depending on the location of your plant.
0: And you have mentioned here, it's also still a great time to plant as well.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good time to plant. You know that we like just as with pruning, um, we like to uh, new plants that are going into the ground to be done early enough in the year so they can get established before the hot, real hot weather comes. Pretty tough to put a, a tree into the ground when it's one hundred and ten degrees out. Uh, even our desert plants, you know, just when they're struggling to get established, uh, that's pretty tough to do in the middle of the summer. One tree that is okay to plant in the summer is palm trees because palms require new root development to get established in the landscape so they that they generate new roots more quickly in the middle of summer so feel free to plant uh, your uh, date palms your fan palms in the middle of summer and you'll do fine
0: now you didn't know i pulled these trivia cards and if somebody was listening, you actually already answered this one earlier in the broadcast. Palm trees are more closely related to a tree than a grass. True or false? You can text that, that answer be. to four one one nine two three, and we're gonna see if somebody was able to get all three of those right. And anybody that got all three trivia questions right will pull randomly. And uh, those are hex, our hex armor, thorn, puncture-proof gloves. Uh, seem to be quite a big hit so we'll send what there.
1: about what about our callers from last week who answered our question at the end of the broadcast from last week you know what I don't I can't find any then 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 it's wide open for somebody to grab that that prize this week and that was what is the definition of sitherism
0: sitherism all
1: right so you have
0: about, Four minutes before the end of this Talking Trees broadcast, to figure that out and send that in as well.
1: You kind of, sort of talked about it already this this morning. Yeah, we sort of, it, it, we sort of, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I'm we not going to say
0: anymore. In the meantime, we'll bring Jackie into the conversation who wants to talk about our tree cacti succulent of the month, the Acaitío. Jackie, good morning.
1: Good morning we have an ocotillo that's been uh, we, we transplanted many many years ago it's it's healthy it's very tall um, new new uh, new growth on it every spring uh, a fairy duster has seeded inside the ocotillo mm-hmm. and is flowering and blooming and i'm wondering if it's going to do any damage to the ocotillo no that that happens quite often in in natural settings as well where plants will kind of uh, grow up into the same area. It'd be a rare instance where one would out, actually crowd out the other <clears throat> or compete with the soil space. and and it's really hard to kind of ec- ec- get one out from the other one. You know, I've um, I tried it one time and I I'd, to try to get an African sumac out from the base of a shrub and I just almost destroyed the shrub, trying to get that, that little African sumac volunteer out of there. So you, yeah, I would just <clears throat> let the two go grow grow up together and we have a an ironwood tree a friend of ours has a jojoba that grew up along with it and it grows up right in the middle of the tree and it's just quite an amazing floral display when those two are both in bloom together so I'd enjoy the two together and just let them grow up and I'm sure the Ocotillo is going to dominate that space that little fairy duster shouldn't be a shouldn't challenge it over time okay one more question mm-hmm the watering needs for both plants is different. I don't want to overwater the ocotillo because I know they don't do well, but the fairy duster requires more water. I'm not really sure that it requires that much water that I would be too concerned. Fairy dusters are pretty drought tolerant. Um, but you you're you're you raise a good point. You don't want to overwater that ocotillo cuz that's the one thing they can't handle is is uh, uh, getting waterlogged and and fighting a a root rot or some sort of fungal pathogen that starts killing the roots. So just be very careful, you know, water them both deeply and then allow that root zone to dry out between waterings. And, you know, probably once every couple of weeks would be the, the most – that that would be the most frequent, you know, watering I would uh, consider. I mean, if you could take that little fairy duster out of there and you feel like you could take it out safely or, or you know, pull it out and you you just don't want to deal with that issue – uh, feel free to do that because fairy dusters, I think you could probably get out unless it's pretty well established. But just don't disturb the roots of the Ocotillo. But I, I don't think that, as I said, that there's a, such a great difference in the watering demands of the two that I would worry about that. I think they'll both do fine. They Obviously, one's grown up uh, with the other one and whatever you're doing, um, it seems to be working for both. Okay. Thank you very much. You're hey, welcome. Thanks for the call. Thank you. We
0: hope that answers your question. And we've got uh, a week. Have you been out to the Queen Creek Botanical Gardens yet? No. It's it's fairly new and they're having their first spring harvest festival next weekend, Friday and Saturday. And speaking of spring planting, they have a 10% sale off for new fruit trees and edible plants that will be available. So, you are right in the spring planting time and get out to the Queen Creek botanical gardens, They'll also have food truck, bounce houses, uh, local vendors, petting zoo, canoe rides, train rides, lawn games, fishing competition, and a farmer's market.
1: Sounds like a plan. You can
0: get your tickets online or show up in person, qcgardens.org. John, uh, if somebody needed to schedule an ISA certified arborist, how would they get a hold of Save-A-Tree?
1: Go to saveatree.com, S-A-V-A-T-R-E-E dot com. It's the best way to get to hold of us,
0: and all of our partners right now um, are very busy. What y'all's lead time right now?
1: We're scheduled a couple of weeks out, two or three weeks is all. And um, depends if you if you're looking for a fertilization services, something like that too, we might be able to get you in a little quicker. But we're a, our our general tree care with our pruning and tree removals, we're scheduled two or three weeks out right now.
0: Very good. Save s a v a t r e e dot com. It's great. And while you're out and about, whether you're working in your yard, working on your trees, uh, whatever the case may be, April is actually uh, historically the highest rattlesnake bite uh, season month of the year. So be aware of that while you're out and about. They're coming out of you know their their winter slumber. Uh, they're hungry, a little more aggressive than usual. So. Uh, Be aware of that. We have 13 rattlesnake species in Arizona. And, you know, our state rattlesnake is actually only uh, in one little sky island on Mount Graham.
1: Well, didn't realize that.
0: It is not the diamondback. Okay. All right. That's uh, Talking Trees. And next hour, it's our 9 o'clock hour, our On the House hour. And we're going to be talking about things we learned on your home, castle, or cabin from the KBiz show that relate to uh, sustainable building practices and techniques. It's right here at Rosie on the House.